welcome, welcome, welcome to, sadly, the final edition of Madhouse Monday. We got the boss, BJ. You got me? Yeah, brother. The, the final one, nine and ten, and I think everybody that has been following that series, this is like it. The, the 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 consensus was it's like it cannot be over. What am I supposed to do with Sundays on nine o'clock? I mean, I got no Walking Dead, I got no Last Dance. What am I supposed to do? Hey, brother. Hey, did you see that? I don't know. You know. I, I saw it when I woke up this morning, so I don't, you know, I'm trying to wipe the sleep and stuff out of my eyes. But they said Wednesday night they're supposed to have a, a um, game six show, like the la- with the last dance cameras. I guess they have enough footage to do a game six, uh, like a show on the game six. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I heard that they were going to do, they were going to reshow game six of the 98 finals. I think that was the game six was tonight, and then they were supposed to do it again on Wednesday, but they were going to do it in HD on Wednesday. Yeah, I thought it was a, a game six. And I got a game six uh, last dance. And see, y'all get, y'all get, not only do y'all get us talking about um, everything, y'all, you know, we look stuff right up. Yeah, game six, the movie. Mm. E- ESPN earned game six, the movie. So it's they're gonna take the clips from the last dance cameras, and then they're gonna I, I guess piece it together as a, I guess you're gonna follow them from the beginning to the end. So that should be that should be interesting. You know, it's something else to like I said, man. It's that whole situation, and that's that was a uh, man watched it. Everybody learned a lot, a lot more than you knew. Details that were, you know. Heart wrenching details that were funny. I mean, it was it was like watching a drama also mm-hmm. in front of your eyes, and it it was real life. So, what you want to touch on first, man? What you want to dive into? Episode nine, last dance. What you want to talk about first? Well, let's talk about. Uh, let's start from the beginning. Um, and episode nine was very. Uh, it exposed a lot. Um, First off, it exposed the relationship between uh, Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan. That on the court, they hated each other. But off the court, you know, they had a a, a mutual respect. And when Reggie Miller talks about him, you can hear the respect in his voice. Absolutely. You damn sure can. And I love that um, Reggie, being the competitor he is, one didn't back down to MJ. Mm-hmm. Reggie could care less that twenty three was on the other side, and that and that that right there is what we talk about all the time when we rank people. We talk about greatness, and then you talk about that little intangible, that killer instinct. That 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 yeah, he's dead, but I'm a, I'm gonna put four more bullets in just to make sure. I know he's dead. I can see it. He's decapitated. But I'm gonna put four more bullets in his torso just to make sure that the decapitated head doesn't blink anymore. Like everybody doesn't have that. And you saw Reggie Miller had that because Reggie Miller, when we watched seven and eight last week, remember Reggie Miller's like, you know, when they showed the clips, I'm like, look, we're trying to end this now. The hell with them winning 
a championship. Y'all, we trying to put y'all home now. Right now. Ain't no, you know, we don't want y'all to celebrate. We don't want to be a part of this, you know, whole, uh, your y'all history. We want to put y'all out. So, good to see that, man. I like seeing that. Most definitely. I, I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, just <sighs> thinking about Reggie Miller and his competitive nature. Now, we all know Reggie Miller, honestly, isn't the best basketball player in his family. His sister Cheryl is. <laughs> and he'll, t- he'll tell you that in a heartbeat. Yeah. And I one thing I'll say is I love me some Cheryl Miller. I love her on the basketball court. I love her acting. I love her commentary. Mm-hmm. And getting your ass whooped by Cheryl Miller as a kid and her mouth and her yes. talking. She talks yes. more trash than Reggie does. Yes. Yes, I was just about to say that. And it goes back to when we start watching The Last Dance in the beginning and talking about Jordan's upbringing and, his, you know, him fight, fighting for attention with his brothers and him going back and forth with his brothers. You know, that type, I told you, Rome ain't built in a day. When you got to take that verbal abuse from your sister and you know it was bad for Reggie because, you know, she's probably beating him on, in the public too. Mm-hmm. And talking trash, and then he got to go back with his friends. Damn, you let your sister beat you, blah blah blah. You got to hear that, and you now you're supposed to be scared of Michael Jordan. <laughs> you just, you just, got, you be getting your ass whipped by your sister your whole childhood. No, uh, it, it just like I said, certain people can take that. Certain people, you know, and and, and the thing with trash talking is so beautiful. Anything goes. Exactly. Anything goes. It, it, if you're a good trash talker. You, you go until you strike a chord. Even if you get punched. If you get punched, you be like, I got him. I got him. I struck a chord. And he's not going to be the same the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, you playing on the playground and you, you know, you getting barbecued. You might be getting barbecued by somebody. You talking trash. Yeah, that ain't, that ain't stopping the trash talk. And then you hit that chord. Whether his mama, his grandmama, you know, his arm with one leg. <laughs> you, <laughs> when you hit that chord, it's over. And once you get in their mind, it's it's a wrap. And speaking of which, I seen a, a YouTube video, and I used to tell Professor Lucky about this all the time. Drazen Petrovich, and Reggie Miller said that was one of his favorite people to play against because Drazen could talk to you, talk trash to you in four different languages. And he <laughs> said just the, the amount of trash talk that he talked. And he had games, Petro had games once he got with the Nets and they took the shackles off of him. He had games where he went back and forth with Jordan. He went right at Jordan. Yeah. And they gained, he gained respect because he didn't back down. And, and that's, it, how you, that's how you get your respect. Exactly. I exactly. I, I don't understand why people, especially, and I hate to say the name on the show just because... We know this is the type of player Michael wouldn't have let eat on the plane. Channing Fry, like, who, dude, <laughs> who, who are you? Like, don't don't even speak on this. Yeah, you played in the NBA. Yeah, you'd have made it further than me. You in the NBA, but just what you said, I know you wouldn't eat. You wouldn't eat. Mike wouldn't let you eat. Mike wouldn't let you eat. You wouldn't eat on the plane. You know, Mike. He probably wrote him off the team. You probably been crying, and that's why. Channing Fry said, not, 
you know, nobody would want to play with him. Not people like you are soft. That's why. Not charming sauce. I'm gonna say this. Now Channing Fry does have a ring. Uh, fifteen, sixteen, Cleveland Cavaliers has a ring. A uh, career. Oh, that's minutes per game. I'm about to say, damn, he averaged twenty-two for a career, eight point seven points a game. Absolutely not. Uh, forty-four percent from the field, thirty-eight percent from three, eighty-two percent from the line. Uh, four and a half rebounds per game, career-wise, one assist per game, and a half a steal per game. But you're saying to me that nobody would want to play with MJ. Now, <laughs> I don't I don't back down from anything. And that's one thing that, you know, we was raised never to back down from a challenge. If we laced him up right now against Shannon Fry, he probably would spank our ass. Yeah, he's if seven played, foot. Yeah, if we played seven times, I don't give a shit. I'm, excuse me, I don't, <laughs> I don't give a damn. I chop him down to size. I'm he gonna catch an elbow to the ribs. I'm gonna take his kidneys this. up. He's gonna be. I'm gonna undercut him. He's gonna be sore as hell after that game. Exactly. Now you. He's gonna, he, be, he gonna be sore just, and he's gonna be crying. Wait, what's today? He just turned 37 yesterday. Okay. So, I, as a birthday gift, I would love to play him seven games. I probably beat him one out of the seven games. But I guarantee you, he gonna remember playing me. Yeah, bro. That's. And, and, and that's just when you hear that, it, and it's probably a lot of players, you know, it's a lot of players that, you know, can do all this barking and stuff, and, you know, especially when that piece came out that uh, he wouldn't let Horace Grant eat on the plane. Oh, that wouldn't be me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. That's, yeah, it would be you. But see, the me. main one that start that barking, oh, that wouldn't be me. I'm not Michael Jordan, nowhere near Michael Jordan's statue. But if we were on a plane together, I guarantee you, you wouldn't eat because I wouldn't let you. Amen. Now, now, that's that that that's that's the the the, the me talking. That that that's the inner me talking. Because when an alpha tell you you ain't gonna eat, you're a little beta. You're not gonna eat. Not gonna eat. Not gonna. Not. You can smell the food. Sit over there and smell it and salivate. But you ain't going to eat. Exactly. Now, speaking of Reggie Miller, I'm gonna ask a question. You know, every week I've always had a lot of questions. And I got two questions for you for episode nine. Okay. Uh, first question is Reggie Miller. Now, my statement is very Reggie Miller is very underrated. In your opinion. You think he's underrated? I, because I feel he's underrated because Reggie Miller gets no. When we're talking greatest shooting guards of all time. When we talk greatest shooters hold of on, all hold, time. Hold on, hold on. But this is, are we talking me, you, and people that have common sense? And no basketball talk. Are we talking about? Are we talking about people that think um, now Steph Curry is the greatest point guard ever? No, no, no. I'm talking even us that have common sense. We we tend to forget Reggie, uh, but it's not as a slight that we forget Reggie because we go back and we dig in, and you talk about a Elgin Baylor who was a, a small forward slash shooting guard. Jerry West is a uh, shooting guard slash uh, point guard, but we talk about the older players and we put them in there. And Reggie, if we do a top ten, Reggie's kind of sort of left out of the top ten, but it's not intentional. It's because we're picking up different names, 
and, and, and putting them in there. But I always felt when we're talking about greatest shooters, everybody say Ray Allen's the greatest shooter. No, Steph Curry's the greatest shooter. No. And one thing you got to say, when you talk about clutch, and somebody asked this question once before, they said if you had three seconds on the clock, you're down by two and you're going for the win. Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, Steph Curry. And I oh, said right. Miller all day long. Reggie Miller. Yeah, right. Reggie Miller. And like I said, you know, people that are, you know, were born in 2000 and, you know, that don't really know history, been watching, they grew up watching. So if you're born in 2000, you've been 8 or 9, 10, that would have been the Miami Heat, Dallas Mavericks, uh-huh. the Lakers. You would have saw them win championships. So you got to remember a lot of these 2000 babies, they, you know, Laker fans, Heat fans, Cleveland fans, Golden State fans, you know what I'm saying? Everything that came before that, you know what I'm saying? The first Laker three-peat, you know, Reggie and them losing in the finals, the Knicks and the Spurs in the shortened season, you know, MJ's last title. You know, they never seen any of that. So, you know, it's to them it's just like they're going off of what they saw. And I, and I can't fault them for it, but like we always say on this show, do your homework, okay? It's always somebody. Your favorite player was influenced by somebody. They were influenced by somebody. Just follow the, follow the line back. Mm-hmm. Just follow the line back. And let me, let me ask you a question. Did I answer your question? You, I, you were shocked at my question. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of was. I mean, because um, my brother from another mother, uh, you know, uh, favorite to the show. My main man, Paul Jr., grew up idolizing Reggie. So mm-hmm. I trust me, I know all about Reggie Miller, all about Reggie. So that made me follow Reggie. And I remember Paul Jr., and he got to come in or he got to leave a message so I can put it on the show. I think it was Paul Sr. took him to the uh, Capitol Center and they saw the Pacers versus. Uh, the Bullets, and Paul Sr. told Paul Jr., watch Reggie Miller. Because you know Paul Sr. know basketball. Mm-hmm. Paul Sr. know basketball. So he took him to see Reggie, and from that day forward, Reggie was his favorite player. And you, shit, you can see why. Deadly, clutch, talk trash, even if, you know, to, to the end. And that's, and that's how you that's how you gain people like Michael Jordan's respect. Like, Mike, and see that, that's, when you talk about people that want it easy, we talk about all the time how you can go back to each of the Warriors championships and it was a major injury on the other side that propelled them to get to the finals. Okay? The Spurs, the Rockets, I forgot the other team. Each of them had major injuries. So, now, they get to the finals. They have major injuries. Cleveland wins. I mean, Toronto wins. I'm sorry. Toronto wins the championship. But when I say asterisks beside things, Mike, MJ wanted that challenge. He knew Indiana was going to be tough. He said in one of the episodes, I think it was the, uh, episode nine, he said, I think he said Indiana, besides Detroit, was their toughest challenge. Indiana beat Chicago up. Indiana beat Chicago up. And I remember I'm sitting there watching last night them show game seven versus Indiana. 
and I can reminisce and I can almost smell my living room watching the game when I was a kid in 98. It's that serious, folks. It's that serious. If you can't quote Marv Albert from game one, 97 finals, when he hit the shot over Russell to win game one, can you quote, you know, uh, was that was it Bob Costas in '98 on last shot? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can quote it word for word from word. So I'm sitting there, I'm like reminiscing. I can remember sitting in the living room, intense, and I forgot who said it was it Michael Wilbon or whoever, and it was like at a point you thought Indiana was going to win. I was like, yes. And I kept thinking, but we got MJ. MJ gonna make it happen. I forgot all about um, uh, the uh, tip off, and I and I love Reggie breaking that down. The tip off where they won and Kerr made that shot and turned their momentum. So I love he broke that down because it was like, like we talked about earlier, KG. It's like, and, and Reggie said it. It was like after that, that championship DNA, that pedigree. For Chicago kicked in. Uh-huh. And he knew what they could, the Pacers could feel it. Bird could feel it. Because Bird been in that position. Bird got championships. Bird been in big games. He knows. He knows. That's why when Reggie hit that big shot, Bird, Bird face didn't move. Bird knows. They still, they still got time and they still got MJ. So, um, Go ahead. What else you want to talk about? I wanted to ask you something, but I forgot. Uh, well, since you brought up Steve Kerr, um, a lot of people didn't know Steve Kerr's background. Oh yeah, absolutely. And his father being now Steve Kerr, and I've been a Steve Kerr fan. Wow, since the early '90s, before he came to Chicago, I was a Steve Kerr fan because when it was him and Mark Price in Cleveland, you know on NBA showdown and, and uh, games like that, when you picked the team, you wanted to make sure you had three-point shooters. Mm-hmm. And Mark Price was a dead eye. So you had Mark Price, you had Brad Doherty, and all those guys in Cleveland. I used to run with Cleveland every once in a while. And I, I, I love Steve Kerr. I actually have a Steve Kerr card. Uh, but Steve Kerr, his connection with MJ, both of them, Losing their fathers in violent fashions. Um, it, it, it's, it's something they never even talked about. Yeah, nah, they did. Crazy. And, and I told you last night, I never knew the story before last night. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wow, man, that's, that's, whew. Now, I never knew the details of the story. I knew it happened. And, you know, that was it. But I never knew the absolute details so just to hear the details you know and it's been 36 years Mm -hmm. and steve kerr is still choked up about it that's something you don't get over not not, absolutely absolutely not and it's the same same thing you know the last couple episodes when they were talking about mj's father dying you know getting being murdered and we talked about that and the effect it had on him like that those are things you never forget you know, and especially when, you know, MJ's father got to see the three championships. Kerr's father never got to see him get to the NBA. Right. 
So, you know, it, you know, every time he said that the national anthem is special for him. Cause like, you know, damn, my father, you know, would have loved this. And, you know, it, 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 you got to move on. You got to find a way to harness that energy. And he put it into basketball, which was turned out to be great for him. You know, sharpshooter. And, he, and I love these guys being honest, being like, look, man, I'm not the most athletic. You know, I'm, I, you know, I can't do this. I can't do this. But you're going to get everything out of me. Everything. Joe Ingles, I, I love Joe Ingles' quote. Uh, is that is that how, is that his name? The one for Utah. Yeah. He said, "I'm I'm at a receiving hairline. I'm not the most athletic, this that and the other, but I'm gonna beat you one on one. You best believe it." And, and that's that's the type of type of attitude you have to have. So I know what I wanted to ask you. What? Who was the last dog that had that MJ mentality in the NBA? But not Kobe Bryant, because Kobe Bryant just retired. We know Kobe Bryant had that dog in him. I don't think, me personally, I'm thinking um, not to the extent of MJ. I think it's some players right now that have that dog. When it comes to mind, I think Damian Lillard. I think... um, Kawhi has it a little bit. Um, I'm not willing to give nobody else that MJ dog, where they just they just put it on their shoulders, and it's me, and I got this, and you know that that attitude. Who who's the last player besides Kobe Bryant? You think where did that die off at? Where did that type of NBA die off at? I'm I'm sorry to say that type of NBA died off. Because everybody took, and I'm not even going. I'm. I, I hate that they took that press conference wrong, because that's not what it was all about. When the, the, the Allen Iverson practice press conference, mm-hmm. everybody thought he was, you know, not for the practice. He didn't want to practice and things like that. But that's not what he was there to talk about, and that's what he was trying to say. I'm not here to talk about practice. And Larry Larry Brown said in an interview with Sports Illustrated years ago, he said one thing about AI in practice, he hates to end it. Like they'll go through drills and stuff, and then he let them scrimmage. And AI hates to end the scrimmages. But he's like, I got to end it. Y'all got to go home and get some rest. AI will keep playing, you know, and just keep going at you. And now AI was a dog. He got labeled as he got mislabeled as a degenerate, a thug, and all these other things. But look at what he did in 2001. He was the only star on that team. He took him to the finals. And, and think, a lot of, and I don't mean to cut you off, but you know, you hear the practice rant all the time, you get to see the video. But it was a little bit more behind that story. His best friend had just got shot and killed. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? Just think of a day at work where somebody touched you on your shoulder. You're ready just, just to explode. You got 100 people in front of you asking you questions because you're the superstar. I mean, everybody's human. You're a human being. You get to grief. Grieve and, you know, they. me personally, I wouldn't let him do during the press conference knowing the, the mindset he was in. 
or what had just happened. I wouldn't have let him do it. Even if he said he was cool, he wanted to do it, I wouldn't let him do it. True. You know, take some time, just chill out, cool off, you know, and we'll, you know, we'll get back at it another time. So, but, you know, it is what it is. But I'm sorry, finish, finish what you were saying about that, that style of NBA. But I think that died off because you don't have, you stop having, you know, it used to be a one-two punch. And sometimes teams are strong enough where they just had a one-punch. But it used to be a one-two punch. And then it died off. And you stop having the big alpha and the little alpha. And then it started becoming, well, let's just get three big alphas and then put a team around them. Everything had to be the big three. And everybody says, well, the Bulls' second three-peat was the big three. I'm like, really and truly it wasn't. I mean, you look back at it now, you can say that. Because they who, brought in Robin. Robin didn't complete no big. I mean, I'm gonna shut up. Go ahead. But I always, I always said that you know, MJ, Pippen, Robin, they were the legs of the triangle. They made it stain. But those role players that they had behind them supported that triangle standing up. And you didn't have that after, after Philly made the finals with just AI. Everybody thought, oh, one man could take us to the finals. Yeah, but AI got beaten a freaking ground that season. Mm-hmm. How many injuries was he playing through? Yep. So I think it, I think it died off about that time, you know, f- full-fledged. Because they showed that clip over and over. Practice. We're not talking about a game. Not a game. Not a game. Practice. That's mm-hmm. all they showed. They never showed that full clip and the full extent of what happened. Mm-hmm. And I think that that whole era of the dog mentality, riding folks, I think it died with that because of a, a misquotation of Allen Iverson, who was a dog himself. Yeah. He rode people. He may not have rode them to the extent of MJ, but he expected the best out of That's a dude that I would love to play with any day. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you this. He's a big John disciple, so you know he know how to be rude and can, and can function with being rude, so he can ride people and you can function too. Explain explain your, your when you say big John. Explain it for the people. Allen Iverson came out of Georgetown. The head coach at the time, Big John Thompson. That's what we call him here locally because JT3 is the son. So John Thompson Jr. Pretty much... Uh, one of the biggest inspirations for this podcast and everything that we do sports-wise because of his show, The John Thompson Show. Um, he is not a small man. Big John is six foot ten. He towered over officials, other coaches, and sometimes other players for years. The only man to ever stand up to Rayful Edmonds and not get any uh, revenge sought after. <laughs> he called Rayful Edmonds up to McDonough Gym, sat him down, said he was cordial at first, told him he don't give a damn who he is, stay away from his place, put his finger in his face and everything. And at that time, Rayful Edmonds was a feared man in D.C. You didn't talk to Rayful Edmonds like that and live to talk about it. But he had so much respect for Big John. There was no, no, no question. Nope. Right. Nope. So, and Big John is a man that does not mince words. 
<laughs> and see, we talking about dogs. You hear the dogs barking now. <laughs> oh, man. So AI being around a man like that, and that is a true definition of an alpha male. And Big John is so respected in this area. And to honestly say, one of my biggest things, I actually got to talk to him on the phone. It was on his show, but I got to talk to him several times during his show, the run of his show. Always made my week because I talked to Big John. Yes, I, I, I will always say that. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Hey, man, we, we need to take a quick break, and we're going we're gonna to hear a word from our sponsor. And we'll come back and uh, unfortunately, we're going to break down the last and final episode, episode 10 of the last dance on the sideline junkies. And uh, we have a small announcements to make. See if the, the audience wants to help us out. So stay tuned. And just like that, we are back. Before hey. we. Ahead, I'm sorry, KG. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. We stepping on each other. <laughs> I was just going to say, before we jump into episode 10, let's jump back in episode 9 real quick. They talked about the 97 finals. Oh, oh um, you, didn't make, you didn't make the noise. You, you, you did a rewind and you didn't make the noise. <laughs> uh, see, that's what I got you here for. That's why you're here. Because I, I, I forgot all about that. But one thing we have to talk about is the 97 Finals. Uh, one of the most famous games, which was labeled the flu game, which was actually food poisoning. So we got to talk about that real quick. Um, they got into that. Have to. I don't know. I don't know how we. I mean, we was talking about so much other stuff, and you know, we, we're human beings. I know, you know, we're the great sideline junkies, but we're human beings. We miss stuff sometimes, and you know, but. You know, when our superpowers come back, we, we, we realize what we did. So, Right. I uh, I remember that game vividly real quick. Um, My mom was in Vegas. So I had my cousin call me from Oklahoma. He said, yeah, you watching the finals? I said, yeah, I'm, I got school tomorrow. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sit up and watch it. I said, something's wrong with Jordan. Why is his uniform so wrinkled? He said, oh, yeah, he got the flu. I said, need playing? He said, yeah, you got to sweat it out. And I sat there in awe. I was like, oh, my God, we might lose this game. That performance, that performance. In terms of finals performances, I think that is probably the second best finals performance ever. And the first best being uh, Magic Johnson's rookie season when he stepped in for cap. And he recorded a triple-double playing all five positions. I think that's the greatest finals performance ever. But number two has to be the flu slash food poisoning game. What you think, B? Hey, man, I, I'm with you 100%, man. And um, just to dog that out. And hey, but here's the thing, man. Here's, here's like, the, like the red flag. One, how did these – because they said that Five people showed up to deliver a pizza. Okay, that's a red flag right there. Two, how did they know it was for Jordan? Mm-hmm. That's that's like when I'm hearing this last night, and then Tim Grover saying I had a bad feeling. Like I would have threw it in the trash. I'm like, look, um, you know, we're uh, 
well, I had to find you something else to eat. But, but my thing is, you don't, I, I don't know. I guess, you know, I'm thinking differently. I'm, I've never been in charge of, you know, any players or player management or anything. But, like, I'm sending people to go get food. Right. You know, because you, you got your entourage. Nobody knows you with Jordan. Now, you know, usually the when an event that big, the finals, you know, people, you know, they know where the visiting team staying at. You know, more than like, you know, it's it's a crowd outside, everybody trying to get a glimpse of MJ, Pippen, Rob, and take pictures, this, that, and the other. So you know where the hotel is. And usually they got the floors roped off, not roped off, but you can't access those the floors that the NBA players are on. So it just baffles me that they would accept that pizza that five people delivered. And I asked you this question earlier. What did they do to that pizza? What did they do to that pizza, KG? Man, it, it, I'm going to tell you honestly. Over the years, once it came out that it was food poison, if you remember the old NBA 2K uh, commercial, it was um, Derrick Rose, Andre Iguodala, couple of players and they were playing and it had the Jordan challenge where you had to go through the flu game and the six threes and they were asking you know which one of these were the best moments and Andre Iguodala was like yeah you can't eat sushi from Utah it's landlocked that's that's definitely food poisoning but it wasn't sushi it was pizza so what I've been wondering for years bro what the hell could you have done to that pizza yeah and I, I'm kind of with you when you gave me that answer earlier saying I don't want to know. But it's like, yeah, what the what the hell happened? What the hell happened to that pizza? That y'all that that made MJ sick. And you know, it's like, uh, and, and I was looking earlier. I want to know what the name of the pizza place is if they still in business. <laughs> you know what? I don't think anybody in Utah probably wanted to let them go out of business. Yeah, I mean Hey, man, you might as well because they didn't do a good job. He was sick. <laughs> he still pushed them to that victory. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, a hell of a game. How many points did he have? Was what it? was that, 39? 38, 39, something like yeah. that. Man. But, still put it on. Right. And, you know, everybody tried to carry And that iconic picture of him wrapping his arms around Scotty and Scotty taking him to the bench. That's an iconic picture in NBA history. That's one of yep. the greatest pictures. Yep, it sure is. And I seen somebody draw it and re re uh, reimagine it, where it's Jordan leaning on Kobe, and Kobe has a halo on. He's saying, "I miss you, little bro." Brought tears to my eyes. I ain't even gonna lie. Yeah, man, it, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. Kobe passed in January, and here we are in May, and it's just that wound hurts and. And I know we talked about this on one of the previous episodes. You know, I'm, I just can't right now. I just can't watch anything Kobe. I, I just can't. It, it breaks my heart when, you know, they repost something. Vanessa Bryant, his wife, posted with his kids or clipping him playing with his kids. Or it's just, it's just too much. It really is. It, it, it's just something I, I'm not ready to really cope with right now. So, but see, yeah. Um, I'm 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 a little bit different because every day that I turn my PS4 on, it's a picture of Kobe on my PS4 from uh, the tribute that 
NBA 2K did. And I screenshotted it, and it's my background. So whenever I turn my PS4 on, I log into my profile, it's there. When my son turns his PS4 on, same picture, there. You know, it, it, it's just, it's one of those things that maybe this is a dream and I'll wake up. That I mean, but that's another show for another time. Let's not even get into that, because if I get into that, we're going to get off topic. So let's jump on to episode 10. Yes, sir. And episode 10 was basically closing it, closing everything up. It was 19 to 1998 finals. It was um, just that whole... Winning, them winning the last title. And I want to go in order, but I have to talk about this. And sometimes I just got to get, I got to get this off my chest while I, it's hot in my head. I said from the beginning, episode one, I said that, yes, Jerry Krause is the bad guy. But like, I believe it was, was it Scotty or Dennis that was praising Krause? He, they were like, basically, you had the best team the best GM ever, because he put the team together. That okay. was Mike. That was, that was Michael? Yeah. You no, I'm sorry, Mike? that was Phil. That was Phil. That was Phil. Phil Phil gave him his props. No, no, no. I ain't talking about at the parade. Okay. It might have been Rodman. Because he, Rodman or Pippen, one of them, because they would give, basically give him a credit. You know, he put this team together, he put us together, because this was at the end of 10 when they were talking about keeping the team together. And Michael said something that one, I had said something about Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Bulls, being just as much as an accomplice, just as much as fault as Kraus. Kraus took the bullets. Reinsdorf stood back and let him hold the shield and get, you know, fired away. But here's the thing. Here's something that super bothered me. Reinsdorf, Michael said he had no conversation because they gave him the, uh, the iPad to look at what Jerry Reinsdorf said. And he said he had no conversation with Reinsdorf at all about the breakup. They never sat down and talked. That bothered me. So you, you, you're the owner of this team. You're making hand over fist money because all the Bulls merchandise is selling out. They're selling out everywhere they go. You know, your, your stadium sell out. Jordan merchandise, Pippen, Rob merchandise, everything's selling. The Bulls are the rock stars of the country right now. You're telling me, and Mike even said, I would have signed a one-year deal. He said, I've been signing one-year deals up until that point. And Mike was, Mike's one-year deals were like $33, $32 million, something like that. So you're telling me, and, and Mike said, you know, he, he felt like Scotty would have resigned. So you're telling me you didn't even sit down with Mike and have a conversation like, hey, you know, let's redo Scotty. Let's, you know, put everybody on one year, bring everybody back. Folks, and that, it, I can see the look on Michael's face that he, it, was, it just bothered the hell out of him. You know, and it, it bothers me because they didn't get a chance to try to win that seventh. Right. Because Reinsdorf, like, you're the owner. I don't care what Krause wants. And, you know, people are starting to kind of put, shift some of the blame to Phil. I heard Skip Bayless talking. You know, he felt like Phil had an underhand handshake deal with the Lakers already, you know. So, so he sat out a year when he could have coached a 50-game season. Come on, Skip. Skip, 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 
Skip, skip. I'm no, hearing, we ain't skip. I'm hearing a lot of little conspiracy theories, you know, about, you know, a lot of stuff. But a lot of stuff is coming out about Phil, how he might not be as clean of that situation as he seems. So, you know, it's just, you know, you keep your ears to the ground and you listen to it. And, you know, because before, before now, I never heard anything of Phil had made me, you know, wanting to break it up, wanting not to want to coach anymore. You know, so, you know, it's just something to think about. But episode episode 10, KG, they dive into the 98 finals. This is the second time against Utah. And, um, you know, they go into detail about game six. You know, a bunch of detail, you know. And I, I said this earlier. And me and you talk extensively about what different teams that met up with the Bulls on all six championships, what they needed to beat the Bulls. And we talk, oh, man, you know, the Suns maybe could have used this. You know, the Lakers maybe needed this. You know, the Sonics needed another score. The Jazz, I thought the Jazz had everything, but watching the – I'm going to let you comment, talk, but watching that last episode last night, Watching Scotty labor up and down the court, not being able to play. He only scored eight points. Who coached 15, I think, might drop 45. And a couple of numerous ball players dropped in a little here and there. That's when that killer instinct is supposed to come up. Like, Scotty's hurt. This is game six. We got to put these guys away. And they just didn't do it. I was, I'm sitting there like, oh, my God. Like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Y'all are letting the Bulls hang around with an injured Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen basically worthless. And you're letting basically one person beat you. Like, I, I just, I'm sitting there like, wow. What did you think? Uh, <laughs> you had the big dog, the original big dog, and Antoine called down low. Him and Rodman battled a little bit when Malone was on the bench. Malone and Stockton, Hornacek could at least give you 10, 15 points. Uh, Shandon Anderson came off the bench. Uh, Osetag could at least give you a double-double. Brian Russell. I mean, they had it. Chris Morris could score. And he was getting a little older, but Chris Morris could score. He was only 32 at the time. And I, I don't know what they were missing. I don't know Howard Isley backing up John Stockton. Can't say what they were missing because this team was complete and they played together. Jerry Sloan ran, and that pick and roll worked, whether it was Stockton to Malone or if it was Isley to Carr. It worked, but it worked better with Stockton and Malone because Malone could go to the lane and lay it in because you know he didn't prefer to dunk. And Malone could step back and shoot a a 25-foot jumper and knock it down. Yep. I mean, you don't find too many guys six foot nine. Uh geez, what was Malone? Six nine, two fifty? Mm, you know something like that, yeah. Straight muscle, country strong. You don't find too many guys that can knock down shots like that. And before I go on, we got the man, the myth, the legend, Junie. Joining hey, hey, what's up, fella? How y'all doing tonight? Good, good. Great, good. man, great. Junior, you got to catch up. You got to catch up, man. Let, you know, talk to us about 
Um, talk about what you, what you, what were your feelings about episode ten last night? What you thought, and um, you know, anything you didn't know that you learned, or you know, even if you didn't learn anything, you knew this stuff. Just that that nostalgia watching it again. You know, I, I learned a lot really from this whole the last dance, man. I really enjoyed it. I love Michael even more. Uh, it's little things. I, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Y'all might say what I didn't know. From last week, B.J. Armstrong played for uh, Hornets. Man, I never knew that. Uh, I didn't know Dennis Rodman had left like he wanted to, you know, to go out to Vegas. Uh, I didn't know that he left again and went uh, after after practice. He skipped the practice and went to, uh, to the rest of the match. Yep, with Hulk Hogan. Yep. You know, yep, I, I, I remember learned, that. I, 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 I didn't know that at that time. I learned so much, man. And you know what, man? Uh, Jerry Sloan wanted wanted to say he didn't know Michael was hurt because he felt bad. He felt bad, like BJ just said, when Scotty was hurt. That one man, is it Michael Jordan, really beat the whole team. He felt bad that they couldn't beat the Bulls when Michael Jordan was down and out. I think Scotty took over more of that game, but um. Hey, man, I really learned a lot about the Chicago Bulls. It's, it's like we saw the game. We saw the, uh, the, the the news on everything, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And I like I, I learned one thing about Michael. I knew this, though. You, 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 don't, you don't make him mad because he will come back and get you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey Johnny, that's an that's a understatement. That's an understatement because Mike, Mike is a killer. Mike is an absolute killer, and he, he didn't care who you were, what your status was, and he, he just felt like you weren't him, and you couldn't beat him. Exactly. Did, did, did y'all see when Michael Jordan said, don't hold him back, let him go? <laughs> yeah, when uh, him and Reggie Miller was fighting. Yes, sir. Don't don't hold him back. Let him, hey man, I learned. I got a, I got so much respect for Mike, man. I wish I could see the brother on the court today, man. Hey, did hey, did y'all see what Mike? I don't know if it was a hundred percent true, but he said something about not wanting to play the Hornets current Hornets players because he didn't want to um, hurt their pride. But he said he could be all them one on one. I believe it. I oh, forgot man. who I forgot who the Hornets says like you know I didn't bring it on then. You know, I man. Hey, hey, this this whole series was definitely an eye opener. Gives you a lot of backstage stuff, and you definitely understand before the episode one aired, and MJ said people are going to think of me as a bad person after this. He said that. Did y'all, hey, did y'all see what Brian Russell got on his list? Nah, what you what you oh, yeah. yeah, Brian Russell got on his list. I think after the one, they won the game, didn't they? Uh, Kev. Mm-hmm. That was uh '97 when he uh, in '97 game one he crossed him up, but he he scouted him. He said he plays on his toes, so right, if I get him exactly. going one direction and I come back, he's good. And game one, MJ started right, then he drove hard left, stopped on the dime, pulled up, bang. Fist pump, let's go home, y'all. I remember watching that. My mother yelled yes, at me sir. so goddamn loud to go to bed after that. 
<laughs> but one thing about uh, the 98 finals, and I, I got like a couple quick fire joints, and I got a question for y'all. Keith Booth was on that 98 team. Baltimore native, Maryland, University of Maryland Terp was a rookie on that 98 team. He has a ring with Michael Jordan and the Bulls. If it wasn't for a bad back, he would have been a big part of the rebuild. Um, Junior, you alluded to it. Rodman going NWO style and wrestling. He beat DDP's ass. And then they went to party afterwards. Uh, they said Hogan came to Chicago and went to a couple bars after a couple games. But not only that, and one thing that they left out about that 98 series, after that series was over, he got Carl Malone involved. And they went out and they did a pay-per-view together. Carl Malone wrestled Dennis Rodman and the NWO with DDP. Well, Carl Malone was with DDP, and they wrestled. Now, one thing everybody doesn't remember, it was a point, it was a game in Utah. And Malone had hit a nice long jumper. And when he was going down court, you know, remember they used to have a low, the low camera on the sideline, and they would always yeah. follow the player doing a home run trot down the court. Mm-hmm. Ma- Malone threw up the diamond cutter sign <laughs> running down the court. Most I people remember don't remember that. that. I remember that. Because a lot of people was like, oh, you're throwing up the diamond cutter sign, but we can't win a game. <laughs> Most people don't remember that. I that Malone, he wrestled. Yeah, Malone was in on that too. So for everything that Rodman and Malone went through, Rodman still called Malone and said, hey, let me put you on to this. We can make some money. Mm-hmm. And, and it was it was perfect because they were at, they were at the limelight. When they were on the court, they had they scuffles and battles and stuff on the court and it spilled to wrestling and you know that's that cross platform thing where you bring NBA fans that normally wouldn't watch wrestling like we were already watching it that's how I remember Rodman missing practice because I saw him come out on Nitro you know but you know NBA NBA fans that wouldn't normally watch the NBA are watching the NBA and vice versa. Wrestle, uh, NBA fan, uh, wrestling fans that wouldn't watch the NBA and vice versa. NBA that wouldn't watch wrestling. You now you got a little crossover because now you know that's Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman. They playing the NBA. Okay, let's watch some NBA too. Exactly. And, you know, man, it was it was genius, man, genius. Now here's my question for you too, Joe. And I know I'm probably way off base, but I said I had to think about it last night. Malone and Stockton, second best duo ever. Agree or disagree? Second best duo ever. That's. Oh, man. Depends on who number one. Now, see, that's the question. Who who, who would be number one? Because I really can't say. I mean. You can say Jordan and Pippen are number one, but you could also say that uh, Magic and, and, and Cap is number one. Yeah, I, I was thinking Magic and Kareem. I'm trying to think of who else had a good a good duo. LeBron, Wade, uh, LeBron and uh, Wade was a damn good duo. They were a I mean, good they, duo, but they weren't together long enough. Yeah, they weren't. I, and that's why I can't put them ahead of uh, Magic and Cap, Bird. I'm not Bird. Pippen and uh, Jordan or um, John Stockton Malone. I think Stockton Malone, for me, 
because the the longevity. I know they didn't win a championship. They, you know, they ran into the goat. But I think they got to be top three. Now, where you put them in that top three, you know, can they be above Jordan and Pippen? Ah, see, and this is when you don't want to count championships. But I think it 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 it, it matters in this particular argument because they played Jordan and Pippen and they couldn't beat them. So if you, for me, if you play somebody, and we're just talking about they didn't win a championship, they never played Jordan and Pippen, I might put them ahead of Jordan and Pippen just because of the sure amount of assists Jock, uh, John Stockton racked up, the amount of points um, Carl Malone, you know, they worked off each other. They fed off each other for a long time, you know, um, but I, I would have to put them three, Jordan Pippen, two, Magic and Cap, number one. I can, I, I can get with that. No, no problem. I, I, yeah, because I, I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I think that's where, 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 you know, what I'm looking at. Uh. We go through game one of the, the NBA finals, game two, very close. Then we get to game three in Chicago, which is a game that I remember very vividly. The lowest scoring NBA game, I think at that time, it may be still the number one lowest scoring game for one team in NBA history where the Jazz only scored 54 points. And <laughs> that blowout of game three let me know this team in 98 was just as dominant as a team in 96 because they, they played great defense and it was just bucket after bucket after bucket. Everybody scored. And I remember they showed the clip. Everybody was sitting on the bench talking about, hey, Bill, the only one ain't scored, and he hit a jumper. Mm-hmm. He hit a jumper. And you watched you watch the clips of that game, and they were running on all cylinders. They were every, every ounce of oil, speed, horsepower, whatever you want to call it, they could get out of that team in that game. They got out of that team. They got everything out of that team, man. It was, it was a it was a perfect game, and it kind of solidifies what Mike said. Remember, Mike MJ said the the '98 championship for him was the best because I, you know, he didn't say it exactly, but he, for me, he was he had mastered the game physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, he he knew how to, you know, take his body, you know, to hey, I need to play, you know, this amount of minutes tonight. It's on me tonight. I don't have no help tonight. So mentally, you know you have to, okay, I got to save this for this. You know, I got to save some, you know, some of the gas for the third quarter, fourth quarter. I can't, you know, overextend myself. I got to know when to do it. And he mastered it at that point. So. And but one thing that I didn't get enough of when they were talking about that blowout, and one thing I didn't get enough of when they were talking about the 97 championship, with the blowout, I didn't get enough Judd Bushler because Judd Bushler had a couple of rim-shaking dunks in that game. I remember that. I was like, oh, Judd could get up. I remember that vividly because I think that was one of the happiest times I had in the finals, especially 98, because it, was, it felt like I could breathe finally just for at least one game. And Judd Bushler was dunking left and right. And in 97, one thing that they don't talk about in 97 that helped the Bulls get to the finals again, none other than Brian Williams. Brian Williams was 
on time putbacks, tip-ins, rebounds. When Rodman was off the floor and Brian Williams was on the floor, and most of you young kids don't know who Brian Williams is, I mean Bison Dele. Hey, hey, Kevin. Please explain. Please explain. Uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if I missed it. They didn't talk too much about him this this uh on the last dance, did they? Who, uh Brian Williams? Yes, Bison Dale, right. They didn't they showed uh a flash of him in a clip that was about it. They showed a flash of him. Because he had some great games, man. I hate to hear what happened to him in life, but he had some great games, man. And that's another Bulls player that has uh, Merlin ties. Now, he was actually signed and went to Merlin, played here for a year, and then he left, sat out a year and went to Arizona. So he played here for a year. I didn't know that. Yeah, he went to the, he went to the University of Merlin. Um, matter of fact, when he went to Merlin, he went right, he signed his letter intent of intent right when the whole Lynn Bias thing happened. Oh, right. So after Lynn left, got drafted and everything happened there, uh, he was had that letter of intent to come and he played that one year and then he left. But one thing about him in 97, he was a late season pickup, but he played. He really, really he played his behind off. And I just I felt they could have talked about him just a little bit more because you talk about the role players, you talk about you gotta talk about Dickie Simpkins, you gotta talk about Jason Caffey, you gotta talk about Brian Williams, just like you talk about Steve Kerr, you gotta talk about Judd Bushler. You know, you gotta talk about those guys that did the intangibles when they got in the game to play. And yeah. Yeah. I I I wanted to shed some light on them because that 97 season, what he did in that short amount of time with the Bulls, 18 games at the end of the regular season in a playoff run, it got him the contract in Detroit. And what did Detroit sign him? Detroit signed him for an astronomical number. What the hell was it? Uh, no, I'm sorry. He played nine games before the end of the season. Uh, I can't see the money that he, he, signed, he signed for. Almost forty-five, fifty million, and still. And when he walked away from the game, he had thirty-six million left on his contract. So he walked away from the game with five years, thirty-seven, thirty-six million. But he 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 still had a lot of guaranteed money coming to him. And one of the most underrated Bulls reserves, Brian Williams, aka Bison Dele. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, man. It it, it seemed like when he hit the floor, he just got the timely bucket. You know, mm-hmm. MJ, MJ Scotty, you know, it, it ran through the offense. One, two, three, who coach? Man, nobody get that bucket. Man. Here go Brian Williams scurrying past somebody. Damn, get that. He get it. He two, two, two points. Big buckets. Hey, what? man, I, I, hey, I like fellas that, that, that you call the cleanup man. I'm going to tell you somebody else was like that. I didn't see a lot of doing the, uh, the last dance. Scott Williams, Jason Caffey. Hey, you remember the guy from uh, the Utah Jazz car? Mm-hmm. Those the guys got yep. in. Yes, those yep. got in. Those guys got in, and it was a cleanup guy. I love guys yes, like sir. that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. Point points. Like I said, points that you weren't expecting, and they they come on the floor and they they put some buckets down. They get a they get a first team a minute to breathe. You know exactly. Exactly. You know, get a couple of big buckets, rebounds. You know, play some good defense. It's, and, and, and people don't realize, man, especially the youngins that's trying to make the league and stuff. Sometimes, and, and Steve Kerr said it. I learned my role. I, you know, I'm a role player. I, I learned my role early. Just like Dennis Rodman said, I knew what I found out what I was good at early rebounding and defense. You got to, everybody can't be Michael Jordan. Hey, BJ, and once you get that understanding, that's what makes a good team. I like the way Steve Kerr came in. He went, he learned under John Paxson wing. Yep. And once you learn your role, that's a team right there. Yes, that, sir. Like you said, Dennis Rodman knew who the point person were, Scotty and Michael, and he did what he had to do. Well, well, he had seven games with zero points and 20 rebounds. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, oh, and, and, exactly. Exactly. And that that second three-peat doesn't work without Rodman. It just exactly. it, doesn't, it doesn't work without Dennis. You know, then you got Kukoc. Kukoc was a star in Croatia. He was he was Croatian to come over here and be third fiddle. Yep. You know, it's a, it's about knowing when you, and, and like Junie said, when you get people to buy in, I, I think this is why Phil was such a good coach. When you get everybody to buy in. And it's easier when you have people like Steve Kerr, who coach Bushler, Kathy, Randy Brown, Scott Burrell that know there are Luke Longley, Dennis Rodman, Pippen know that you know he's he's the, the deputy, Mike's the sheriff. Everybody knows the pecking order. Then you get to these teams that nobody knows the pecking order. Everybody wants to be a star. Everybody wants to score. Everybody, as soon as the ball touches your hand, you shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody want to be on Sports Center. Everybody want to be on Sports Center, you know. It, it, the, as long as you got the highlight on Sports Center, the, the dunk or whatever it is for the night, your team could have got blown out by twenty three. But you're happy because you're on Sports Center, and mm-hmm. that's that's where that dog NBA died. That's where the MJ, you know, because MJ wasn't the only person like this. Bird was like this. Magic was like this. Isaiah was like. Kareem Wilt. I forgot the story. Was it? It was. Was it Wilt? I forgot who 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 told the story. He went up to Wilt Chamberlain and introduced himself, and Wilt said something about you're not going to get a shot off. Mm. I, I know what I talk about. Uh, it was um, it wasn't was it, was it Seth? No, I don't think it was Seth Sanders. I forget who it was, but he blocked he said, his first nine shots. He said, he said he just went up to introduce himself. Hey, Mr. Chamberlain, I'm such and such. And Wilt didn't say hi. Wilt didn't say, hey, man, nice to meet you. Have a good career. He said, you're not going to get a shot off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? You know, you go out here now. To swap nine out, shots in a row. Yeah, you go out here now and play with these youngins on the playground and start talking trash. They ready to shoot you. Yeah. And that's the sad part about it. When do we become now, – now, Trash talking has been a part of sports for longer than some of these young has been alive. I mean, it's always been a part for us. I mean, you know, if I beat you on a fly pattern, you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about it today. You're going to hear about it tomorrow. You're going to hear until we 
play again and you beat me on a fly pattern, then I'm not going to hear about it again until I have to come back at you again. It's a rite of passage that these kids don't get anymore. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm still, I'm still here, guys. I, I'm, I'm doing something. I'm still here. I don't want y'all to think I left. I, I, I hope he ain't leave because I mean, then that would just prove the point because I just beat him on a fly pattern. Now I can't even talk trash to him because he's gonna leave. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I just hey, Kev, you know. There's no other player like Michael Jackson. I mean, mm, Michael Jordan. People do all like this. Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> hey, people do all this comparing. Michael LeBron, Michael Hill, Michael. Hey, man, watching the last dance, man. Michael Jordan is a beast. You hear me talking to you? Yeah. And I agree with you and wholeheartedly. And see, this is another show because I love LeBron James. They're not the same right. players. No. They're not, they're not the same players. They're two different players, and LeBron is great in his own right. And I really and I, and, and if if somehow he plays another three or four years, and he can win two championships in LA, you know that does put him up there. But he, I don't think he'll catch Mike. I don't think he'll get six. You know, I, I think that the only way for LeBron to surpass Mike, and that's anybody, not just LeBron, is to get those six championships and those six MVPs. Right. You you until you can touch that, sniff that Kobe was the closest. Cause I don't think did Kobe win uh finals MVP that first Lakers three feet? No. They were no, all he, winning. he won the shot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, even Kobe's behind, you know, and that's that's you know, that's as close as Michael Jordan as you're gonna get, you know, for a long time. And even though in two thousand one Kobe carried the Lakers. Remember, Shaq was hurt for most of that season. They were a dominant team. Shaq was hurt for the beginning of that season. Kobe carried that team. And if I'm not mistaken, he averaged 28 points. Mm-hmm. And in the playoffs, he turned it up and he was averaging almost 30. But yeah. in the finals, he did his thing, but they still gave it to Shaq. But Shaq actually rode Kobe's coattails in 01 because Shaq wasn't at full strength. And I had to be schooled on that a few years ago because, like, nah, Shaq led that team, and I had to go look it up. Kobe led that team. Mm-hmm. Kobe was dominant. That yep. was his breakout year. That's when there was no longer a Kobe Bryant. That's when the Black Mamba had hatched, and then that right. killer instinct started coming. So, uh, last but not least, fellas, let's reel this off real quick. Um, Pippen had a bad back. Went out there as a decoy, kept going back to the locker room, getting treatment, coming back. Uh, you said something to me last night, B, and you said uh, about um, questioning Pippen's desire because he had to come out. But you and I both know, and, and Junie, you know it too. When your back hurt, and it hurts at that point in the lower back, where it hurts to walk and to stand up straight, you can't do much. Right. Now, one question I do have for you guys. The last shot of Michael Jordan's Bulls career, was it a push-off? No. Absolutely not. And Mike MJ explained it to you why when 
I forgot whether it was episode seven or eight when he told the story about Brian Russell. And, I mean, he told it again in, in, in these episodes, but he told you how he met Brian Russell and he was, you know, working out and he came up to him and he said, why'd you quit? You know, I could guard you. Mike said he knew everything about this kid and he played defense on his toes. And he said that. He said, once you got him going one way, he couldn't stop. I.e. game one of the 97 finals. He did the same thing to him. Got him going one way, pulled up for the jumper, game winner, game one over. Hey, and as Michael Jordan explained it, he said he did not push him. All his momentum was going that way. Yep. He did and, not push him. And if you look at, I think it's the NBA's Instagram account, they shot, they show multiple angles from the last shot. The angle from the backboard that's facing Michael, you, you, you can see Michael Jordan's face. If you look at that, I don't know why the the, the, the the classic view, the side view, but if you look at that, I think it's the third clip. It's so much faster. And you can see Mike stop on a dime. If you see the steal of that, that, that motion when Mike stops on a dime, you can see every muscle in Mike's leg making him for, so he can stop on a dime. He's using every single muscle in his leg to stop on a dime. And Russell was going the other way, and he couldn't stop. Right. You know something? For years, you know, and, and Isaiah Thomas said, you know, he just gave him a little pat on the butt. But some people say he guided him. One thing I always say, if Reggie Miller can push off, and Reggie Miller will push off, stick his leg out, all of that, you telling me that all of a sudden Jordan does it? It's it's a, you know, it's wrong? On the other hand, do you think they really was going to call an offensive foul on what Reggie called him last night, Black Jesus? You really think they were going to call a foul on him? The man that can walk on water? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Mike would have had to, like, really just put, you know, really blatantly just push him. You know what I'm saying? Or if Mike did decide to go to the basket and and let's just say Brian Russell guessed right and hit his momentum – you know, they carried into each other. Mike ran over him. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, then okay, but, uh, you know, I ain't calling an offensive foul on 23. They might have called it on 45. <laughs> Man. Well, uh, lastly, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf tried very, very weakly, weekly, and I don't mean every week. I mean it was just a weak attempt to get Phil Jackson to come back for the 99 season. But Phil, he, he said, I'm not worried about what Jerry thinks. It's going to be hard, but Jerry going to have to deal with it. And I felt that uh, that was too little, too late. I, I felt the same way, KD. I felt like you let you let Kraus in the beginning of the season, and, and Mike, Mike said it too. And you could hear it in Mike's voice how, like you already said in the beginning of the season that, Phil could go 82 and 0. He's not coming back. Why would you even right. put that out there? Why would you even have us? They, you, they had to play through that. They had to play. Oh, this is Phil's last season. Yeah. If it's his last season, okay, then let it let it be known at the end of the season. It was like they were trying to sabotage and trying to get in their head mentally. Like and like I said, Jerry Reinsdorf is just as fault as. Jerry Krause. And we can't, 
you know, Jerry Krause isn't here to defend himself anymore. But Jerry, Jerry Reinsdorf, he's a snake too. He's an absolute snake. And I just don't understand from an owner standpoint, even if, let's just say, even if, let's just say they kept him together and they won seventh title. And let's just say going for number eight, but at this point, they're, just, they're old. You know, it's a younger team in the league. Let's just say it's the Lakers because the Lakers had Shaq and Kobe. Let's just say, you know, at this point, you know, it's the Lakers and they just can't beat the Lakers. They, You owe that to Michael and Scotty to go out on their terms and get their asses beat. You owe them that. Somebody. Yeah. You, you, Man, that's why those guys were the most hated Jerry's in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. And they still are. Right. They still are. So plus after this last dance, they're gonna be even more. You're right. Oh man, absolutely. It, it, and the people in Chicago that already hated him, they just uh threw gasoline on the fire to hate him even more. Exactly, because you know? they let the world know that they wanted to go for seven. Mm-hmm. They sure did. So, you know, it is what it is, man. And you know, sad that this is the last one that we get to talk about, episode ten. Um I'm gonna definitely be trying to watch the um, last uh, game six, the movie. I definitely want want to see that. But I think they, I think they said Wednesday night. Oh my god! So it's gonna be game six, the movie. They all the last dance uh, footage and cameras that they had. They're gonna put together, I guess, a, a, from beginning to end. So that's gonna be very interesting to see. I guess it'll be an hour. I'm assuming. But if they got any more, and not just the Bulls, you know. I'm hoping that these cameras follow the first three-peat Lakers, you know, that these cameras follow anybody else. Because this is, this, is, this is great stuff, man. You get to learn a lot about these players. And um, I think it was Andrea Kramer said it best. Mike was a rock star before social media. He didn't have social yes. media to go on there and tweet and post stuff. So you... Just and David Stern said, I think he said the how how big of impact Michael Jordan was. The NBA was in fifty countries. It grew to two hundred and fifty countries. The nineties boomed. The nineties boomed, and, and we talked about this in earlier episodes, and and why Scotty signed that that seven year deal was you know once the NBA exploded was so bad, but you know we understood why he did it, you know for security. You know, for money for his family, you know, we understand, but you know, it, Mike did so much for the game. Man. It, it, it's hard to put in words exactly everything, you know, how many people he influenced, you know, and man, I just hope they have more. I, I, I would like more, or maybe MJ, you know, MJ's very private. Maybe, you know, maybe he'll start coming on some, some of the sh- shows more. You know, yeah. maybe they can get them on uh, uh, TNT or NBA TV more. Just just hear him speak on the today's game. You know, I I would love to see him on uh, open court. First of all, I would love to see him and Charles Barkley do a sit down like Magic and Kobe did. I mean, uh, Magic and uh, Bird did. Kobe and Shaq did. Uh, Mikhail Magic and, and Bird did. Yeah, Magic and Isaiah. That, yeah, that's what I meant. I love to see him and, and Barkley sit down and do that so they can squash that little petty beef so so we can we can get past that. Because them two so, being together, it's always been fun. Yes, the world would like to see that. 
Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that that MJ and the film crew and stuff, they see how much, you know, more potential it is to tell a story. And I'm sure, you know, somebody may, may already whisper that to MJ or to Barkley. I'm sure, Bar- you know, they get calls from their friends. They're like, look, you need to, you need to call MJ. Or MJ, you, exactly. need call Bar- you need to call Barkley. You need to call mm-hmm. Chuck. And y'all need to squash this. And, you know, let's do it on, um, like KG said, let's do it on an uh, open court. Y'all sit down and talk and, and hash things out and you know that man that would be musty TV. So Oh my god, that'd be nice. And one thing from episode nine, and it, it was kinda sad, but it showed a softer side of MJ was his relationship with the security guards. Um Gus. Gus Lett. And yep. a lot of pictures that I used to get out of Sports Illustrated and things like that, you would always see Gus in the background. He said and Gus, Gus was like, an inspiration. Yeah, and Gus was a second father to him, surrogate father. Yep, yep. And it got to the point where everywhere MJ went, Gus went. When he left and went to baseball, uh, Gus, the um, <laughs> the 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 the, uh, the security guard, the white guy with the with the with the long hair, uh, his name is uh John Wozniak, and uh Clarence Travis. Those are three security guards. He asked to quit to come follow him while he went and played baseball. And then when he came back, he did that. That was in 93. When he came back in 95, 96, well, when he came back, the Bulls rehired him immediately back to the security team. But the the relationship he had with Gus, anybody that think that that started in 96, that started in 85. And Mr. Gus was friends with Mr. Jordan, and they were all tight. I mean, he had been close with MJ all through that and Gus was there. He was right there. Yeah, and he was actually very close to MJ's father. I remember seeing stories about that when they were talking about him and things like that. But that right there, I and sadly, uh November two thousand, uh after a long battle with cancer, you know, we 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 lost Mr. Gus. So that was a Another oh, I didn't know that, man. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because, uh, say, him and MJ was out, and he, MJ called his wife and said, you need to get him to go to the doctor. He don't look too good. And yeah, but he came back, back from that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he came back. That was the 98 finals. He, he came yeah. back, and you could tell he, you know, you could tell he was a little, little frail. frail. Little, yeah, know, a little frail. Yeah, and, um, you know, it, hey, man, it, it, it you know, for, for everything bad we've seen, well, not bad, but everything, how tough Mike was on his teammates, and just how how he was in general for, for to hear uh, Gus Lett's wife talk about, you know, MJ was there every step of the way in the hospital, at the house, calling. You know what I'm saying? It just, like like KG said, you get to see that side of MJ. You know, you get to see him tear up, and uh, I forgot what episode that was when he was talking about being a teammate. You know, you get to see stuff from MJ and hear stuff that, you know, we weren't, you know, privy to before. And it gives you another perspective on his greatness, you know, and it just adds fuel to the fire. And you're either going to hate him like Channing Fry and I would never play with him. We wouldn't want to play with him or you, <laughs> or you love him even more. So but but fellas, we've been burning that candle a long time. 
It's down to just oil now. It's flickering. We got hey, it hey, 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 one quick question. Did y'all talk about the flu game from episode nine? Of course. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Okay, we did. I learned that really wasn't a flu game. Yes, you you want yeah. you want you want to speak on that for a second, Joni? Well, he got hungry late at night. No, no other stores, no other restaurants open, but there's one pizzeria. So they got this large pepperoni pizza for him, and when it was delivered, it was five people at the door ready to deliver it. Did y'all see that? Yeah, yeah, most yep. definitely. And we talked about it because I, Junie, I'm like five guys delivering the piece. One, how do y'all know it's for Michael Jordan? Because uh, Tim Grover, the trainer, was saying they were trying to peek into the room and stuff. Like, if you order the pizza, how do you know this is for Michael Jordan? That's how did you know it's for a Bulls player, period? Exactly. How did you know it's for a Bulls player, period? And then why are there five people delivering? Like, right there, that, pe- that pizza should have went in the trash. I was hoping, BJ, I was hoping they would have said, no one ate it, but he was hungry. And he ate the whole pizza by himself. That's by when I, himself. That's when I knew that I was connected spiritually with Michael Jordan because he sat down and ate a large pizza by himself. I don't feel like a fat ass because I've done it before. Thank you. <laughs> All right, y'all. That count about a tip over. I'm ready. <laughs> BJ, don't you got a special announcement before we get up out of here? Hey, I do, man. I do. Um, hey, one, first of all, uh, anybody that listens to the show and supports us any type of way, we greatly appreciate it. Um, all the support, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Anchor, you know, we've been doing this, um, you know, what, would this be the third year? Going uh, into- we, we're going into the third year. We're, yeah, uh, going. Um, February, that'll be year number three. So um, it, we believe it's come time to, I know we've done it before, this would be the third time, but it, we're going to change the name. And we would like, you know, some suggestions from our listeners. Um, you know, it's numerous reasons why we're changing the name. It's just, you know, it's time for a fresh start, um, kind of to rebrand ourselves, rebuild it from the ground up. We, I think we did a good job building, but we forgot some blocks at the bottom. So it's kind of soggy. You know, it's, you know, the building isn't as stable as we would like it. So with that, we're going to change the name. We're not in a rush. We want to find a good name because this this time coming around, once we change it, this one, you know, we want it to be the last time. Um, so, you, so, you know, if you started with us, you know, this is an Out of Bounds podcast. Uh, we changed it then because it was another Out of Bounds podcast with Gilbert Arenas at the time that was, you know, really, you know, popular. We didn't want to be underneath that. And, uh, you know, now we have, you know, with the sideline junkies and it's a local sports show with the same kind of junkies title so we're trying to find something unique that fits us and that you know we can you know kind of rebrand ourselves on it so uh we'll put all the uh information we'll you know just let everybody know on instagram twitter wherever you follow us at and like i said we would love some name suggestions and you know we pick yours we would love to have you on the air talking about the name and what you know your favorite sports teams and whatever else you want to talk about so uh hit us up let us know kg take us away man Well, this has been another Sideline Junkies production. Thank you for joining us for Madhouse Mondays. You can also catch up with us on social media, Sideline Junkies, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, Sideline Junkies, colon, podcast on Facebook. Um, Then also you can hit us 
in the email, sidelinejunkies247 at gmail.com. Just drop us a line. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to talk about, what you want to hear, all of that. And then also don't forget to go to whatever your favorite streaming service is. Put in Sideline Junkies and just binge listen. We got a lot of things. Um, We got the WrestleManiacs on Saturdays. You got the guys, all of us during the week for different shows and whatever's hot, you know, just giving our take. So just hit us up, take a listen, see what you like. Shop around a little bit. But for BJ, Junie, myself, the big guy, KG, Delonte, Jim, Allen, James, and the People's Choice Don Rodriguez, who are all on special assignment, we're the sideline junkies, and we are out of here. Peace.